Good morning and welcome to Church at Home with Riverside Online. We're so grateful that you've chosen to be with us this morning on this special Sunday, not just because it's a suit up Sunday, but it's also a happy, happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers out there. We love you and we're so grateful to each one of you. Boys, girls, dads, make this a spectacular day for all of our mothers out there. If you're new or you've joined recently, we'd love to be able to connect with you. On our Riverside website page, there is a connect button and we'd love you to fill out that form so we can be in contact. Happy Mother's Day to all the ladies out there. And as you can see, we have challenged all our Riversiders to dress up for Mother's Day. So here we go. Now we've been doing a series called Live Upside Down where we've been following Jesus as he goes through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been challenging us that if we are going to follow him seriously, sometimes our lives are going to look upside down compared to the lives of those around us. But today we're going to press pause on the Sermon on the Mount and dive into something that I believe every single one of us needs desperately right now. I know I bring this up almost every single week, but this season brought onto us by the COVID-19 pandemic has robbed so much of us. And for many people, it has robbed our peace. So normally we worried about our loved ones. We worried about our jobs. We worried about our budgets and our income and our expenses. We worried about the future. But now it feels like the COVID-19 has poured petrol on the flames of our normal worries. And I've just noticed how the anxieties of people around me, including me, have just continued to skyrocket. I know for me, it's the idea of not knowing what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen. And therefore, what do I do now? How do I lead and be now? And that for me is causing some low levels of anxiety. But here's something I want to sell you on the front end of today's message. And that is this. Jesus doesn't want this season to rob your peace. One of the things Jesus wants for you in this time is that you grow such a disposition of trust and reliance on his presence and in his power with you and in you that the supernatural peace grows within you. Now, here's what I'm not going to try and do today. I'm not going to try to play prophet and futurist and tell you, here's what's going to happen and here's how everything's going to come right. I believe that many of us are starting to believe that we cannot have peace in the middle of the season. You see, we started to tie our peace to our circumstances. And because the season has been so chaotic for so many of us, we've begun to believe that I cannot have peace. And if you've begun to believe that you cannot have peace in this season... I just want to say up front that it's going to be very difficult for you to receive the peace that God wants to give you. I heard something from American pastor John Ortberg this last week, which I've adapted for this message. And he said this, some people wait for their circumstances to bring them peace. Others bring peace to their circumstances. And I believe Jesus wants us to bring peace to our circumstances. So we're going to read a familiar passage, but I'm trusting that God's going to use it to speak powerfully to you. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 onwards. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learnt or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So as I read this passage, I hope that what you don't think is, well, here's the formula for peace. All I need to do is take the three points from today's message. And by Tuesday, I want my supernatural peace. Rather, I think what God wants to do in us through a passage like this is nurture a posture of dependence upon him. You see, position is very different to posture. I can put my body into some interesting physical positions, unless it's planking, in which case I can only hold that for a few seconds. But then I'm going to go into my unconscious default, and that's going to be my posture. Now, here's the thing about posture. I don't have to think about it. So here's the thing. I have trained my body for the posture that I have. So whether that's come through sports and core strengthening exercises, or whether that's come from sitting in front of the computer all day and watching TV from my bed, the accumulation of those activities have formed this posture that I will default to every single time. Again, I can hold a position for a short period of time, but I'm always going to go to my posture. And in the same way, God wants to nurture a posture within us. So that becomes our default, and it is from that place that peace is going to grow within us. So first of all, this passage is teaching us that we need to submit our needs to God. It says here, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything present your requests to God. Now here's what I think God is trying to teach us, to go back to the position and the posture idea. For many of us, bringing our needs to God is more of a position where I am conscious now of my needs. COVID-19 has been a challenge for me. So yes, I'm going to pray. Yes, I'm going to fast and I'm going to bring my needs to God. And if you're doing that, please continue to do that. But for many of us, that's a position. And then we go back to our posture and our posture is, I've got this. I've got this under control. Yes, I'll bring my big needs to God, but everything else I can take care of. And this scripture challenges that assumption. It is saying, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, bring our needs to God. Now, I've got two young kids and I see this in them. You see, they've learned that when they've got a need, guess what comes next? Mom! Dad, it could be a small need. Help me take this Lego apart. It could be a big need. My brother's hurt himself. But they know, parents, you know this. Every single need that they have, they bring it to you. 
And in the same way, God wants to nurture that within us. That is our go-to posture. Every single need I bring to Him. These are going to be big things, small things, medium-sized things, things that maybe I do believe I have under control, things that I'm ashamed of, emotional things, physical things. In short, all things I bring before God. Now, this doesn't mean all I need to do is have a quick prayer about these things and then God is going to sort me out. Rather, what I think is going on here is I am on a daily level bringing myself and my burdens and my needs to an almighty, sovereign, loving, gracious, present, powerful God. And then as I bring these towards him, he walks with me through my needs. So sometimes he's going to give me wisdom to handle my situation. Other times he's going to give me patience to endure the difficulty of my situation. Or he's going to give me new perspectives on my situation and get peace from there. All the time he's going to be giving me love and his power and his presence in the situation. Sometimes when there are needs that are beyond my control, he's still going to be growing a deep sense of faith and assurance within me that I can trust that he is with me me. So as we grow in this posture of relationally bringing my needs and concerns towards God on a daily level, God is going to grow and develop a supernatural sense of peace within me, a peace that surpasses my understanding. Meaning, I look at my circumstances, it does not make sense that I'm experiencing the kind of peace that I'm experiencing. And so we submit our needs to God. Secondly, we need to submit our thanksgiving to God. Somehow, as a human race, we are wired to maximize the negative in our lives and minimize the positive. Now, yes, I have met some pretty positive people out there, but it seems that the human race average on this one seems to be biased towards being more influenced by what goes wrong than by what goes right. In other words, our posture is allowing negativity to inform everything about my life more than the good things in my life. For example, as a leader, I may, during the course of a week, receive a number of encouraging messages. But my mood is going to be determined by that single moment of criticism. Or maybe you've got a spouse who's got a number of wonderful qualities about them, but you are going to focus your attention on their deficiencies, right? And Jesus wants to flip that around. He wants to train us to see the good that is already there in front of us. And even if nothing changes, he wants us to see the good that is there, the presence of him that is there. And so we're going to learn to do this by daily bringing our thanksgiving before God. And So maybe you want to start with some of the bigger, more obvious things. So maybe you're going to start with thanking God for your home for your health, for your life, for your family, for your kids, depending on your situation, for the food that you have on your table. Then once you've maybe gone through some of the more obvious physical blessings in your life, then you're going to go to the next level where you're possibly thanking God for what He's doing in you. That He's providing grace and strength for you in difficult circumstances. That God is doing a deep work of maturity in you. 
And maybe you even get to the point, like in the book of James, where James says, count it pure joy, my brothers, when you experience trials of many kind. Because you know that God is developing maturity and perseverance in you, even though your circumstances are extremely challenging. And as we bring these perspectives towards God, we start to see him as the good God who gives, the good God who is present, the good God who is with me, and my perspective on my circumstances and my perspective of God changes, and suddenly I am ripe to receive peace from God. And finally, I believe this passage is calling us to submit our minds to God. Here's something you probably know about the mind. What comes in is what goes out. What comes in is what goes out. We know that in school when we had to study for a test. If I want to do well at my test, I need to put stuff in my mind. And then I need to exercise it so that when I do come to that test, what has gone in and what has been nurtured and exercised comes out. Maybe you've got a friend or someone in the family who's got a hobby they're absolutely mad about. Let's say, for example, mountain biking. And so this person, maybe it's you, that's all you're thinking about, right? I mean, you're on the bike, you're training, you're thinking about it, you're exercising, you're watching YouTube, you're being mentored, you're hanging around with other bikers, that is your conscious effort. And then what happens in your unconscious moments? Well, you daydream about mountain biking. Maybe you even dream about mountain biking. Point is, what goes in is what comes out. Now imagine that this passage is describing what is going in to your mind from verse 8. Imagine this is your diet. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellence, praiseworthy. Imagine that is the definition of what is going into your mind. See, peace is less a battle of your circumstances and more a battle of your mind. You see, there may be a battle out there. It doesn't mean that there has to be a battle in here. Now, let's think about this. This is not just about feeling peaceful, and that's maybe part of it. But let's say you really do need to rise to a challenge. Let's say you really do need to problem solve. Let's say you do need to step into a difficult situation. Think about it. Do you do your best thinking when your mind is at peace or when your mind is in turmoil? You see, the mind at peace is way more effective than the mind at war. If your mind is always controlled by your circumstances and is always controlled by your emotions and your mind is always topsy-turvy, you are quite simply going to be less effective in all other situations of life. And this is why the scriptures talk about having a sound mind or having a sober mind and a transformed mind. And as we train ourselves to think upon these things, suddenly our minds are positioned to receive the peace of of God, and we can become more effective in all situations of life. So as I was thinking about this more, I started to think about the powerful effect that someone whose heart and mind is at peace has on the people around them. 
I've been reading a book by pastor author Steve Cuss, and the book is called Managing Leadership Anxiety. And he talks about the power of being a non-anxious presence in a highly anxious environment. And he defines that like this. He says, a non-anxious presence does not mean that you no longer battle anxiety. It means your anxiety no longer infects your system and your capacity to manage others' anxiety is increased. Can you see the point of this? The more you are able to do this means the more effective you are going to be as a father and a mother and a husband and a wife, someone who is on a work team, someone who is leading in a work environment, someone who has neighbors and friends, right? This just grows your capacity to be a stable presence of love and peace to all the people around you. And this is something God wants for you. And this is why Paul ends by saying this in verse 9. Put this into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And I love how Paul ends this here. The God of peace will be with you. See, peace is not something God wants to give you apart from himself. What he does want to give you is himself. And we do that in prayer. We do that in relationship. We bring our needs to him. We bring our thanksgiving and our gratitude towards him. We bring our minds towards him. And suddenly God becomes the non-anxious presence in our lives. And as his peace starts to govern my world, suddenly I become a blessing to the people around me. And I want to end off by saying this. Isn't this exactly what your family needs right now? Isn't this what people need from you right now? Isn't this what your work needs? Isn't this what your problems need? Isn't this what your neighbors need? Isn't this what your world needs? Isn't this what the people who are exposed to your social media need from us as believers right now? And so I pray that as we go into this next time, we're going to press pause for a few seconds and we're going to pray that the God of peace is with us. And in doing that, that God's peace comes through us to the people around us. We do hope you've enjoyed this week's message. And we do hope these messages are helping you become better Jesus followers. If you're wanting to connect with us better in the week, we are on Instagram, Facebook, as well as our Riverside app. Another way to stay connected with us in the week is to join a life group. Although we're not meeting in homes currently, we are still meeting virtually and online. So if you want any information, have a look at our website for the list of groups that are still meeting. Guys, have a great week.